Welcome back to another episode of the Sauce Straight Talk Show. I'm your host, Sauce. Today, we're going to talk about some NBA stuff. We got Game 3 of the Finals. We're going to talk some offseason stuff. We're going to talk some draft stuff. The draft is this month. So, we're going to talk about the NFL. We're going to talk about the top 100 player list that they made. Um, it's now up to 31. So, you know... List starts in the hundreds, you know, something to talk about, but I'm going to skim through some highlighted players, but we're going to get to the 30s, and hopefully we get to see when it gets to 25, and I'm going to break it on down from there. Um, Also, in the news, rest in peace to Dwight Clark, we're going to break, we're going to talk about his career, his life. Um, He died at 61 years old today. Um, He was battling uh, Lou Gehrig disease that he uh, was diagnosed back in March of 2017, so Rest in peace to Dwight Clark, former San Francisco 49ers, who made the catch in Super Bowl 16. Um, so rest in peace to that guy. And uh, we're going to have much more. Uh, possibly have a guest on. So just stay tuned. It's going to be a great show, and uh, I'll be back. All right, wonderful people, I'm back. Sauce Straight Talk Show. It's your host, Sauce. Yesterday... When I ended the episode, I mentioned that today that I was going to vent a little bit, rant, whatever you want to call it. But I'm just had it up to here with people talking about sports being rigged, mainly the NBA Finals. That's what we're watching. We was watching NBA playoffs. Um, people were making comments saying, you know, they're just trying to get it to go to seven games and. You see the switch whenever this and that, the referees this and that, Adam Silver knows about this and that. Um, you've heard it with football where people say, oh man, the refs are in this, you know, saying Goodell knows what's going on. Um, he threw that interception on purpose. Um, the flake gate was, uh, uh, whatever, you know, sports being rigged. Here's my thing, good people. To the people that really think that sports are rigged, why watch sports? Why watch the games? Why follow the the trade wires? Why pay attention to the free agency? Why go with the drama of two teammates beefing? Why go through the drama of a quarterback throwing a coach under the bus? Things like that is what the purity of the sport fan. Is looking for it's just the the sport fan is looking for the purity, the fun, the entertainment, the 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 uh, the excitement it brings. But so there's some it's a lot of people because the reason why I say this like Tom Brady made a comment about the NBA Finals saying if it's not rigged then you know that you know it, it's like when you make the comment of saying well if it's not rigged. You you you're you're putting yourself in a in a very 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 bad spot of like with people that think you're crazy is going to say well why do you think it's rigged and then you got people's explanations it's like you know one person told me that it's all about money it's all about you know controlling the narrative and things of that nature and. My thing is that if sports is really rigged, do you think it would be four chapters 
of Warriors versus Cavs in the NBA Finals. Do you think that the Patriots would have went to the Super Bowl this many times and then go 10 years without winning one and then all of a sudden win two more? Or go to or go to three, win one, whatever. Do you honestly think that? Just ask yourself that. Ask yourself. Well, they went two. They went to three and one two. Do you think? Do you think that the Chicago Cubs just all of a sudden they were just like, you know what? We're gonna let you win it this year. You know, we're gonna tell the pitchers to throw it right down the middle. And Anthony Rizzo, I want you to play out of your mind. I want Chris Bryant. I want you to play out your mind. I want everybody to do that. While we tell these guys to go and serve up good pitches, and we're going to sit there and let you have all the fielding plays. And then y'all going to win the World Series. Y'all really think that? Don't watch the sport if you think that. These guys train uh, 365 days. Yes, they have off days. But they do things to their body to keep prepared to go out there and perform at a high level for income, for greatness, pure love of what they do. When it comes to thinking about us, they're thinking that the income part. When they're thinking about us, they're thinking about the inspiration. When they're thinking about us, they're thinking about how can I be more better of a, a performer so I can entertain. They're not thinking like, okay, maybe I should tell, you know, this is this is like Patrick Peterson sitting there telling Antonio Brown, hey, let me intercept one from you real quick. Like, you know, you run a little in route and I'm going to jump it. And, you know, so I just tell Ben to just loft it up there and then I intercept it and then I run it for a touchdown. And that'd be nice for, you know, do you, like, that's what rig means. So, you know, LeBron James is coming down the court and he's telling Kevin Durant, like, I'm going to go left-hand leg, go and block it, and come down, shoot a jumper, um, miss it, and I'm going to come down and dunk on you. Well, that'd be a nice, that'd be a nice little, little, little thing right there. Do you think that happens? Do you think in football, that running backs are telling linebackers, "Hey, I'm running left side. We got to we got to punt the ball. I don't want to get 20 yards. We run the left. We run the left. Like, come, like, stop. The thing is that we can't help is that we have imperfect people because we are all imperfect people. Remember this, people. We are imperfect people. We are not perfect. We wake up." Just the same as these athletes wake up, professionals wake up, actors, actresses, whatever. They are professionals at their craft, but they're not perfect. It's the wrong P word you are looking at when you're looking at these professional athletes or professional or whatever. Because it could be the professional referee that's calling an NBA game, NFL game, MLB game. And so when they make a mistake, it's like, whoa, the computer's glitched up, or we need a troubleshoot, or do we? Because you are forgetting that these are human beings. Grant, George Hill, I want to say Grant, George Hill is a human being that shot 80% from the free throw line that can miss a free throw, especially when people are screaming at you not on your home court, and it's the NBA Finals, and you're freaking tied. 
You have no understanding of how that works because you're not on that floor playing that game in front of those people. Yeah, you can go in the empty gym and feel like, hey, I'm George Hill. Watch, watch me make it. Try it, son. All I'm trying to say is, is this. When we go to work, whatever it is that, you know, that y'all do, you know, I do my job. I work two jobs. This is my dream, my passion, doing what I'm doing right now. It's not one of my jobs. This is something I want to be a success, so I'm going to work hard at it. But let me tell you something. You go to your jobs and you make mistakes here and there. You make little errors and you can sit there. Ha ha, man, it's a mistake. I'm sorry. And stuff like that. Like, man, just think if, if your job and we had people was watching you do your work. Say if you was like an accountant or if you was a, uh, you know, somebody entry level, uh, office worker. If you was a, um, you know, um, a lawyer, a, a doctor, a, even 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 something as small as just a secretary, a person, a manager at a McDonald's or your job. And you got some people on social media sitting there going, man, you, you know what? You got to be able you got to be able to do this. This is what I mean. When people say, man, that's, that's easy. That's what makes people want to draw the conclusion that something is rigged in sports. Because the one thing is that. People expect people to just do things when they want them to do it. Like LeBron James, he got to make that layup. Well, damn it, I don't need a mistake at the post office. So I have to come back and call and be like, hey, you made a mistake. But that same person might just cuss LeBron out because he missed the layup and knowing that he couldn't do it. But here, somebody's calling complaining to him on his job. But he's not getting the type of hammering that, you know, a, a pro athlete gets death threats. Things of that nature. Now, granted that that person can lose his, you know, his income quicker than that person that makes a whole lot of money because of mistakes. But just just as much as in the pro world, I mean, hey, they, they can, I mean, the NFL, look at it, not for long. But we make that not for long happen. We sit there and say, get Mo Claiborne out of there. He's terrible. Or don't sign back Kaepernick to, to the people that are because of of a statement he was trying to make in a positive way. But we have people sitting there saying, he shouldn't be doing that. What? Are you perfect? Are you? Do you know it all? Can you recite the whole national anthem from start to finish and then see the racism in it? That's all I'm saying. Just things like that. People jump to the conclusion. And that's why when you say sports is rigged, it's always that jump to that conclusion. Like, I remember, uh, okay, you know, people just think like Hail Marys are one of those things that if it happens, it, it just happens like the lottery or something. And I just remembered, you know, Aaron Rodgers when he hit the nice little streak with Hail Marys. And then when he did that, he hit the two in his one season, especially when the playoffs People are like, man, this is rigged, man. You know, they, he just throwing the ball up, and then you know they, they this is just just trying to make Aaron Rodgers look good. Like, really, like really, like I actually was told that. I was people was actually saying that, man, this is rigged. This is this is bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Like, damn, man. Like, can we just enjoy the sport? Can we just sit back, 
you got your beers, you got your, your family, your buddies, or whatever. And just enjoy the game for what it is, the period of sport. LeBron James can miss a lay. Hell, he missed a dunk. He's missed a dunk in his prime. So people will be like, dang, he missed a dunk. Like, So he can't miss a free throw? Or George Hill can't miss a free throw? Or J.R. Smith can't make the mistake he made? Because we're human. Human error. Mind just thinking. He caught the ball, didn't know he was thinking. Yeah, it was a dumb play. Yeah, we have fun with JRs, with the memes and stuff like that. We don't mean we're crucifying the guy. Now, as far as the on-court production, he ain't showing it, so you have to send him down. I mean, that's not being mean and trying to vilify the guy. At the end of the day, I mean, it's, the, the the game wasn't rigged. Did he, when people were sitting there saying J.R. Smith better on the game or the sports is rigged, see, they are about to win and they had to do something to make them lose. So we just force overtime and just let Warriors hit threes and then it's over? Is that what you're saying? Or they was just frustrated, tired, and knowing they got to go against overtime because the team was going to shoot it lights out. I mean, people got to just open their eyes, man. There's a there's big, I mean, boxing, I mean, like, people be like, man, ain't no way, you know, there's more corruption inside of this in boxing. You have people with influence or money and things of that nature that could do things. But, you know, that was real hard, heavy back in the day. You got more people that's uh, more credible on the in the uh, integrity side of things to where people can sit there and, and hint or whisper in certain things and not to say everything ain't corrupt in boxing today, and it's not. There may be some things that's going on that ain't need to be going on, but to sit there and say that something is scripted is mainly what I'm hearing from a lot of sports, mainly the NBA. But for boxing to say that that scripted is stupid, you know, throw a left hook here, I'm going to throw it right here, here, whatever. Like, you know, Canelo Triple G didn't want to draw. Adrian Broner and Jesse Vargas didn't want to draw. You know, Bottle Jack didn't want two fights in a row with draws. Well, not two fights in a row, but two fights with draws that could have put him in a higher plateau. So just to please somebody else, we're going to have a draw. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to make this a draw. Just pump your brakes, people, and just understand that, hey, sports is the way it is, and we are human, and that we are not perfect. So we're, we are just guys that, and women that just turn on our TV, and we're going to watch, say like Djokovic. Today, he took it lost. He took it, it went like it was fixed. We're like, oh, you're, you're ranked 20 now, so we're going to let this one guy come up, you know, and then we're going to make it break, and then you can make a comeback afterwards. I mean, that all sounds well and good. It sounds believable, but, hey, Djokovic didn't have it today. He lost. Serena didn't have it. She got the injury. She pulled out. Now, other people are like, well, she pulled out because, you know, you know, you got to let somebody else win it or something. I mean, people can say anything. People can say that tomorrow, whenever, if, if Cleveland wins, they be like, see, see what I'm saying? Watch them win game four. I know it is, man. It's just a big money thing. But what if players are comfortable at the home court? What if Kevin Love looks at the rim different? What if Cal Corbin looks at the rim different? What if Grant, um, George Hill, excuse me, I keep trying to call that man Grant Hill, but what if George Hill looks at the rim different and starts balling? What if J.R. Smith goes six for six from three? We're going to call it scripted? We're going to call it fake? No. So for the people that really honestly think that this game we call the NBA basketball 
It's rigged and fixed by Adam Silver and the people up there. Don't watch it no more. Don't watch nothing. Summer League, G League, nothing. Because you are tarnishing the sport by sitting there watching it and saying it. Because you're not watching the WWE. You're watching NBA basketball where men sit there and put their time, they sacrifice time away from the families and everything to get themselves prepared to go out there and play a game they've been playing since they was a kid. And as they grow older, it gets tougher. As they get older, it gets tougher. So when you can't blame these guys that's doing something that you're not doing, like getting hit in midair and things of that nature. Jeff Green took a shot last game. And it just kind of messed with him a little bit. He didn't come out the game, but you can see he was favoring his left shoulder. Who's to say that that didn't affect him in the game to perform? But he was out there. What if he didn't want to say nothing out loud? What if he, I'm fine, you know? That's not scripted. So I hope people hear this, this segment. I'm not bashing fans. I'm not sitting there saying y'all stupid. I'm just saying y'all need to cut it out to people that think sports are rigged. This is this is this is like something. This competition. Do you think Josh Cookie Miller went to the, in the, went to Nebraska and got around some people, and then once he came back to state, whenever he started venturing around looking for pro ideas and stuff like that, you think people was like, "Hey, man, you know what I heard? I heard the NBA rig. Heard that shit scripted. Like going there, and you got a crossover dribble here and there. You got to listen to what they say. Games the outcomes are different. No." I think I, I think everybody would have heard about it in West Virginia. Do you think OJ Mayo when he get when he got suspended from the league? You think he was sitting there just like man, NBA rig, it's fake, it's fake. You know what I mean? People that probably felt like did wrong by the NBA, NFL, MLB, any other sport, they would have just came out and been like, man, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell y'all the secret. I'm gonna tell you the secret. It hasn't happened. Tim Donahue, the referee who got arrested, he got arrested. It's doing time because he did something that was against the law that the NBA wasn't doing. He was doing. He took it upon himself to be that type of official. He took it upon himself to be putting himself um, involved with the mob and and make um, conspiring stories about them and about the NBA and having it out for Allen Iverson and all that stuff just so he can, you know, hey, be more important than what he already was. Because like he said, I knew what outcomes were going to be because he was in control of it. Not Adam Silver or David Stern or whatever. He did. But you have human error. You have people that might, eh, which they might need to get them out of there. You might have somebody that might be a LeBron James fan. You might have somebody that might deep down inside be a Steve Nash fan and, and helped him on a pick and roll or something like that and caught a, a foul when they needed the shot clock to be back. Who, who knows? I'm just saying. You can't call the sport rigged, man. We're just human error. We're all humans. So take that. I hope you enjoyed this segment. This vent that I don't, I didn't want to yell. That's why I'm saying it's like a vent. I didn't want to yell and scream or nothing like that. But come on, people, we got to do better as far as with the with the with the sports we watch. And if we're supposed to love them, we can't bash it. So bottom line, sports are not rigged. Um, it's a lot of hard work and, and and training to go into a lot of sports to happen. And the outcome is the outcome. You live with the results. So, you know, social media is at an all-time high as far as, you know, negative negativity towards certain things. If things don't go their way or things like that or jokes and stuff. 
when tragedy happens to people, bad things to some people, maybe funny things to other people. But to sit there and literally call sport rigged, like Steph Curry's wife, being mad as she was, even sent a tweet out talking about the NBA must be rigged. Let me tell you something. So you're going to say something like that and you don't think your husband may know something if it was? That's all I'm trying to say. So food for thought. People just get angry and want to say things, but might 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 want to change the dialogue what they say. Because what they say could just sound just not smart. The NBA is pure as wholesome, man. So at the end of the day, enjoy the sport. Enjoy NFL. Enjoy MLB for what it is. Balls are balls. Strikes are strikes. Touchdowns are touchdowns. Whatever like that, man. You know you're going to have bad calls and things of that nature. That's why you have bad calls, bad calls every year. You can't sit there and say, Justin... People can't sit there and say, sauce. Haven't this been a great year officiating? When has anybody ever said that? When has ever anybody sit there and be like, man, the officials been great this year. Like, oh, my God. It's human error. We are humans, man. Anybody can get out there and try to ref and get cussed out. Anybody go out there and just make a bad call. You're going to do it. You're not going to see that guy go out of bounds. You're not going to see that guy sit there and get hit late. So y'all have a good one. We're going to move on to the next segment. For the y'all, that was for the ones that think it's sports rigged. So if you think it's rigged, don't watch, don't listen to the next segment. All right, quick announcement, good people, good quick announcement. Whenever the World Cup starts and it gets kicked off and everything, I will be giving some analysis on that. So for those who, you know, can't wait for it to start, can't wait to, you know, watch it and then want to hear somebody talk about it, if you listen to my show and you like it, you're a fan. The World Cup, I will be talking about. Just letting you know now. So be sure to tune in whenever the World Cup starts for you soccer fans out there. So I will be back with some NFL talk. All right, good people. We are back. It's all straight talk show. It's time for some NFL talk. Now, the NFL Network has made a show that's been going on, I would say, since, what, 2000 and. I think 2010, I think, maybe. I could be wrong, but they've been doing a top 100 list for the NFL players in the offseason to rank the players. And it, the list has been getting attention every every year, um, from whether it be on ESPN or Fox Sports. The, the, the 100, top 100 list gets mentioned. So I'm going to mention it, talk about it. I always wait till the list gets down to like the 30s, whatever, so I can break it down. But um, it's been an interesting uh, follow. Um, we start off 100 with Ha Ha Clinton Dix. Um, ha Ha Clinton Dix, that's a player that to me um, came in the league, had like a little bit of immaturity. You know, the name change kind of could tell you that, but other than the name change, he showed work ethic and showed determination to grow into a good player. And to, for him, you know, his rookie year, I remember he was still you know, playing. He was getting beat on plays, uh, wrong coverages and stuff like that. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, it was a lot of question if he was going to be a bust or not. Now, he has been absent um, doing OTAs and raising questions. People are wondering where's Ha Ha Clinton Dix at. But um, 
for him to make the winner of the list, it's, it, it speaks volumes. I mean, he had 79 tackles, three interceptions. Um, you know, he had a, he had a good season. And, but, he, you know, he showed value with a defense that really, you know, wasn't highly stacked. So, you know, was it just him? So we congratulate how Clint Dix for making that. And then you got Doug Baldwin. Um, he's made the list, you know, more than once. You know, you got certain people that have Malcolm Jenkins. Um, C.J. Mosley made the list. Uh, I think that's a new one, uh, linebacker um, from the Baltimore Ravens. Um, that's a great linebacker. And coming from Alabama, he's one of the very few that has translated to the NFL. It's not every defensive player that comes from Alabama to be real good, you know what I'm saying? And he's one of those guys. Ha-ha, Clint Dix turned out to be one of them, too. Um, we didn't know or not. Of course, Lane Johnson makes the list in 95. Um, he was a big impact to the Eagles. He was hurt the year before he came back. Uh, he was actually had suspension for PED, for crying out loud. And, um, you know, so all that stuff. And he came he came back right and led and helped lead a uh, Super Bowl victory. So, you know, him, Malcolm Jenkins, you can sit there and say, um, with the coaching staff and stuff like that, he played a big part in that. Kirk Cousins, that's one thing that tricks me that he's at 94 because he had a good season the year before. Now, he had a decent individual season this past season. But to to make the list, he he had to make the list for the money he got. So I think they putting him at 94 could, you know what I'm saying, be like, yeah, we, he has to make the list for 94. We're going to put him, should have put him at 99. But, you know, that's disrespectful, but... You know, big ups to Landon Collins. He makes it in the nineties. Um, at ninety, Jimmy Garoppolo makes it over Jimmy. Um, makes it over Kirk Cousins. So you see what I'm saying? A guy that's played six games. Okay. Plays six. He gets traded, and he played six. He did good. He won all six. He routed the Jacksonville Jaguars and that one of the best defenses in the league. So he makes he makes that list of ninety and he does it better than Kirk Cousins. And like I said, I think Kirk Cousins made this list because of the contract he got. Honestly. So as we go on down the list, we're gonna make note of Andrew Whitworth, uh an older offensive lineman that got um moved to the uh, Rams. People, you know, thought that he's seen his better days. He's long in the tooth, but he showed a great season. And he made the 87, number 87, and I think that was well-deserved. Chris Harris Jr. Um, still showed his value on the Denver Broncos um, secondary, um, minus some people. And people just not playing all the way up to their potential. Keeps lead, players like that. Um, they, left, uh, they lost T.J. Ward. So, you know, Chris Harris is a good corner. Um, big ups to Bruce Irvin. You know, I'm West Virginia. He went to West Virginia. So big ups to him. He made the list. He's at 85. At 80. Um, um, somebody worth a note is um, Kevin Byard, and um, he's the um, safety from um, the Tennessee Titans. Now that's a good player, you know, good player. Uh, Tennessee got some sleepers on their team, and I tell you, he's one of them. Marshawn Lattimore made eighty um, two, Michael Thomas made eighty one, and Kevin Byard made eighty. So that's a good defensive, um, you know, for eighty two and eighty right there. And Mike Thomas. Um, a wide receiver that, to me, he shows a lot of um, uh, comparison to me to like somebody like a a Marquise Coastal for the Saints, but somebody a little bit more athletic. I mean, he's a little bit more he's more athletic than Michael Thomas, where he can be a T.O. type 
guy, big target. So Mike Thomas, he's he's on my radar. Um, Marcus Peters makes seventy nine. Um, I think he could have been a little bit higher. Um, this guy can really just do a lot as far as playing corner on the and on the football field. But comments I think he made saying, you know, he he makes business decisions more or less what he said, but he said it in a different term of saying like, you know, there's some certain types of tackles I'm just not going to go after, you know, and, and I know he, and that's business decision like. Um, so he made 79. Um, I want to mention Odell Beckham. He he got hurt. He still made 77. So that's that's showing greatness right there. Melvin Ingram at 76. So 75. Cam Chancellor. As big is he going to retire? He's coming back. I think he's coming back and he's going to be fine. He may play one more, maybe two more seasons. Then he's going to call it quit. He's a Super Bowl champion. He's been to two Super Bowls. He's 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 made a name for himself for knocking the hell out of Vernon Davis and other people. I just seen whenever Ezekiel Elliott gave him everything he needed, it age might show at that point. So, you know, Cam Chancellor may play two more years. But uh, Cameron Wake in the same two, you know, um, um, may play a couple more seasons of call it quit. He made number 74. I like Cameron Wake's game. You know, he's at third down, he comes in there, he's ready to go. So Dolphins use him correctly. They won't burn him out at the end of the season. Thomas Davis, a person that's going to be sitting out four games this season when it kicks off, he made number 73. That guy's a gamer. You know, never mind, you know, what he used or whatever like that. He's a gamer. You know, Thomas Davis is a gamer. He made number 73. Big ups to Delaney Walker making 72. Zach Martin, 71. And then Devonta Freeman rounds out 70 with um, making it at number 70. Now, Devonta Freeman, to me, I feel like um, – I, I, he's a great. I mean, he's for what he does, he's great. Um, and Tevin Coleman needs to get a little bit more love um, in the backfield of the Atlanta Falcons, just a little bit, man, just a little bit. Um, so you know, it's it's not it's not a um, it's 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 not. It's not that I'm hating on Devonta Freeman. That's what I wanted to say. I'm not hating on that man. I just think one of the key things that with the Falcons that where they kind of tend to mess up is that they want to depend on him a lot to where Tevin Coleman, I understand, is not a tackle breaker. Um, but give him more chances, man. I think it can happen. And uh, he might make, he would definitely make this list. So big ups to Devonta Freeman making it at number 70. It's number 69, Fletcher Cox. Hide your wife. Um, uh, <laughs> but he makes number 69 Fletcher Cox there's another Super Bowl champion that's on this 100 top 100 list that's three right now that's Lane Johnson that's Malcolm Jenkins right now and that's Fletcher Cox um, then you got Zach Ertz that's number four coming at 68 um, Telvin Smith um, that's a you know Telvin Smith from the Jaguars let me tell you something about him that's somebody I thought that was going to be maybe a one two year player I honestly thought that. I was like, I don't know. He chose some upside, but is he is he going to be really hand, like? Is he going to be ready at week eight, week ten? You know, because he's not a huge linebacker. But that guy gets it done, and if he gets an interception, you're not catching. Telvin Smith is an athlete, and he is a hell of a ball player on that football field. And I just think he is um, somebody worth a note. Um, you know, saying. It, it, he he is special. Telvin Smith, I do like Telvin Smith. Um, number sixty-five, I want to I want to mention because I think he should be a little higher. But when I look at the list, you know, some people just have to fit right there. Stephon Diggs at number sixty-five. 
That young man is a baller. Um, six foot, what, six foot one, maybe six foot, six foot one, can jump, um, got good route running skills. Um, he can just get open. And that's why in the interview he said on the first take when he was like, you know, I'm not trying to sound, you know, mean or nothing or cocky or nothing like that. But he said it really don't matter who's the quarterback. When asked if he wanted Case Keenum, if he wanted somebody else, or if he wanted Sam Bradford or whatever, or Teddy Bridgewater. And he said, you know, it really don't matter. No matter who throws it to me, I'm going to catch it. That's the attitude you want from your running back. Number, I mean, Robert Seaver, excuse me. Number 64, Richard Sherman. Now, that is kind of surprising to me, but he, he had a good, decent, he had a decent year. He had a decent year. Um, he has to show it uh, for the 49ers this year because they paid him good money, and they don't want him to come over there and be a bust, especially leaving a rival team because that's going to be a laughing moment right there. Did you took a player from a rival team? And he didn't perform. Geno Atkins should have been higher. But like I said, you got to be happy where they're at if they make the list. Geno Atkins is a baller. I mean, on Monday Night Football, I think they were playing against the Texans. Uh, I'm not mistaken. It was Monday Night Football. And he blew up every play that, that I think it was the Dolphins. I'm talking about he just, just manhandled, manhandled, manhandled Jay Cutler. And, you know, there was nothing he could do. Um, Micah Hyde makes uh, 62. He's a good player. He's a safety out of the Buffalo Bills. Um, you know, he's, 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 you know, when you, when you're a guy that could just, you know, want to make contact, you put him in safety on defense. You know, you, you know, you got guys that got corner skills, you know, like Minka Fitzpatrick, he can play both, you know, but he's, he's going to be a corner in the league. You know, Micah Hyde. He got a corner type frame. He's got a corner type body, but he can lay the wood on you, man. I'm telling you, Micah Hyde ain't nothing to mess with coming down downfield on on an open field tackle. Now, the Dominican Sue makes it number 61. I think that's a good number to be at. He still showed his worth, and now being in LA, whew, watch out. Just saying, watch out. Derek Carr makes 60. Derek Carr still need to be a little bit better, if you ask me. So that's you know that that's just me. He 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 needs to show a little bit more. Um, he needs to show more. He needs to show a little bit more from the season he had before he got hurt. Um, Amari Cooper. Now I could point the finger at him. Now that is true. I could point the finger at Amari Cooper because he didn't have one of his best years. Michael Crabtree um, was his best target, honestly. I would have kept Michael Crabtree, but, you know, you have circumstances where you feel like you have to get rid of him because the NFL has to listen to PR things. And if you're fighting on the field with the keeps leave, then you get released. So that's how I see that. Top 100 players, we're still here. We're still live. If you, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I'm sitting there saying live. Ain't that funny. But top 100 players, for people that's listening, this is what I'm doing um, just breaking down the list. It's at the 30s. I can't wait till it gets to number one. Um, Leonard Fournette makes the list at number 58. Now that right there is special. Number 58. Rookie Leonard Fournette makes it at number 58. That is special right there. This kid is going to be a, hopefully he stays healthy and hopefully that he has the type of, um, mindset to keep his body right to where he's in his 30s and still do what he can do he's learning how to catch out of the backfield which is something he wasn't proficient at at LSU and you know when he gets that into his game 
that's a running back that you're not going to want to um, want to want to try to game plan for. I mean, but um, if he makes number fifty-eight. I'm I'm happy. Um, Casey Hayward. I forgot to mention him. Made number fifty-nine. Casey Hayward is a great corner. Great corner, by the way. Casey Hayward, bar none. Great corner. Trent Williams makes the list. Great out left tackle. I think he's been playing great his whole career. Um, he punched Rich, Richard Sherman in the face. He's had a steady career. He's had injuries, but he still can perform. I mean, that's that's just amazing with a left tackle because you have people like Jason Peters, Tyron Smith went down, but Trent Williams can get hurt and he can still play. Um, he can take miss time and come back and still be effective. You know, and those are the things you want from a hog molly like Trent Williams. Number 54, number 55, no, no, excuse me, number 56, 55, and 54 is where we're at right now. And the only thing that I can say about that is Phillip Rivers being 56 should have been higher than Xavier Rose and Ezekiel Elliott. And Ezekiel Elliott mainly. Phillip Rivers is the only reason why the Chargers was winning games. You know, Joey Bosa uh, played some effective football on the defensive side, and so did Melvin Ingram, so did um, um, Hayward. Um, but let me tell you something. Phillip Rivers can still play football. And for a guy who did not want to leave that team, see, uh, he, he shows you the loyalty, you know what I'm saying, and he brings it. I mean, like, he if he played inept, they would be way worse. And they, at some point during the season, they were competitive. I mean, it was because of Phillip Rivers. Keenan Allen played a good year coming back from his torn ACL, but even in that year, Phillip Rivers was, was a baller. So, Phillip Rivers should be higher than Xavier Rhodes and Ezekiel Elliott. To me, I wouldn't mind if he was number 50. So, you know, that tells you who 55 and 54 is, and that is Xavier Rhodes and Ezekiel Elliott, which Xavier Rhodes could have been higher than um, Ezekiel Elliott because Xavier Rhodes was the perfect corner this year. I mean, if anybody, Casey Hayward, you can say, was numbers-wise. Because he wasn't lying on that Pro Bowl video when he was saying, go look at the numbers. He was talking to the man they called Jalen Ramsey. And he said, go look at the numbers. It, it shows you. I'm the best. And, you know, Casey Hayward wasn't lying. Um, um, so, Xavier Rose really is, to me, I think, the best corner right now. But a lot of popular people will say, well, you got Patrick Peterson still. You still got Jalen Ramsey's coming up. People like to talk about him. Um, Richard Sherman, you know, he's, he's not, you know, past his prime yet. And you got other guys. But Xavier Rhodes, I'm just telling you, he's special. Akeem Dalib makes it higher than Xavier Rhodes. He's one of those guys that, that people may see that he's better than Xavier because of his, you know, chain-snatching ways. Or he, he gets it done, though. He plays. And he, if he intercepts the ball, watch out. He's gone. But Akeem Dalib is, is getting a little older, and um, he's, he ain't playing the best football. Um, but uh, he's still physical, and he can still get in the wide receiver's head. So I wouldn't have uh, him higher than Xavier Rose, but the NFL Network decided they wanted to. Jarvis Landry makes it number 52. I didn't like his season last year. Um, too many, too many just quick catches and going down. I mean, like, we want to see if you can really game change. You know, game change. You know, Odell, your best friend, he game changes. So, can Jarvis Landry go to Cleveland with Tyron Taylor starting and lead? And, and, you know, that wide receiver core to be great. And lead, I mean, by Jarvis and catch, catches, touchdowns, lead those things. 
So, you know, Case Keenum makes number 51. I like his season. I, I think he's going to be good. Up in Denver, I think John Elway might not have wanted him right off the bat. But, you know, when you sign a guy like that, you're going to play him, and we're going to wish him the best. I like Case Keenum. I wish he would have stayed in Minnesota. But they're going to see they made a mistake by getting Kirk Cousins. I'm just saying. That's just my opinion. Um, number 50, um, before we take a little break, and I'm going to come right back, we're going to continue. I may have a guest um, breaking down from there and on. Um, we're going to have a quick recap. But um, Deshaun Watson makes number 50. Deshaun Watson makes number 50. I'm going to repeat that. Deshaun Watson makes number 50. Deshaun Watson. When he was on primetime TV, it just made me all giddy. I'm a Buccaneer fan. I'm a fan of the NFL. I'm not biased. I'm not a homer um, by any means when I do the sports things. And I'll tell you what, I just wish Deshaun Watson was in a Buccaneer jersey sometimes, even though I love Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is going to be a hell of a football player, but I'll tell you what, Deshaun Watson, that was amazing what he did before the injury. And he did it against teams that was going to just throw things at him. And even against the freaking New, New England Patriots, he wasn't scared. So hats off to Deshaun Watson, and I hope he comes back healthy. And, um, you know, I just can't wait to watch him again. So, like I said, I'm going to be right back. Um, join the next segment. Um, we're going to go from 50 on down. And, like I said, I may have a guest um, to, to, to uh, talk with me on that. And if not, we're going to go from 50 on down anyway. So, stay tuned. It's all straight talk show. I'm back. We are on the top 100 NFL list, the continuation. Um, this time I brought my NFL, um, I like to call him, John Overstreet, and this gentleman right here was on my Super Bowl episode right before the New England Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles met on a Sunday, and then we saw Eagles win their first title, and we predicted in that game, horribly wrong at that right, Jeff, John? Horribly wrong, God. To my defense, I didn't know Michael Butler was going to sit like that, but it was definitely more high scoring than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, it, it, it was, it, it was uh, what you call a Madden type experience with the way the points were scored. I mean, you got. Oh, you, well, a lot of that goes to Philly and uh, some of the risk taking. I mean, they went for it on fourth down, I think close to midfield or maybe on their own side of the field, if I remember right. Yeah. Philly took a lot of chances. They went for a fourth down right before the half, too. Yeah, they sure did. You know, and they. Down. Right, and, and and they sit there and showed up Tom Brady on the uh, quarterback pass. Yeah, so they did a lot of things that I think was hard to predict. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look back at their season, it, it is a little easier to see that because they did go for it a lot. But, mm-hmm. man, the Super Bowl changes most people. Most people wouldn't call a pass to a quarterback on the goal line. Right, and it, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Well, Yeah, hats off to them. Yeah, hats off to them. And, and, you know, like when I went through this list and I saw – Lane Johnson in the nineties, you know, people people might sit there and say, you know, man, that that's a little that's a little kinda disrespectful. But, you know, what what do you think about what do you think about um just a quick recap, people. I know the people that's been listening, you know, I'm just recapping with him. Ninety six and ninety five was Malcolm Jenkins and uh, Lane Johnson. Do you think they could have been higher or you think they're you think like rounding out, you know, saying that they're fine right there at this spot? Oh, no, I'd say much higher. And um, 
you know, before the season, I told people that the Eagles had the best line in football. There was an article by uh, Pro Football Focus that said, you know, they graded out as the best group. And uh, a lot of people disagreed with me or thought I was pandering to Eagles fans. But the truth of the matter is that line was not only dominant, but their depth showed. So, you know, Lane Johnson came in and had one of the most memorable plays of the year. He, Von Miller tried to spin, and he put that man to shame. Yeah, yeah. And you really don't see that from elite pass rushers getting put to shame like that. That but is true. Lane Johnson is easily the, the best right tackle in the game to me. Yeah, that was a hell of a that was a hell of a replay because uh, seeing that just on that um, all twenty two view twenty two, um, you know type camera view to see Von Miller with the explosion getting off the ball and Lane Johnson just to know be right there make the contact like that's for a lineman that's you know that's just that's just pure instinct right there and and athletic ability Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey on that offensive line probably the two best athletic offensive lines I've, offensive linemen I've seen. In quite some time. Absolutely. And um, as far as Malcolm Jenkins, a lot of people don't realize in that Super Bowl, he followed a lot of the Patriots' backs. So Philly could stay in some of the regular sets, and they didn't have to bring out, you know, a lot of different personnel. Right. So he really moved around and was a key piece of the, the defense in that. There really wasn't a lot of defense played, but you get what I'm saying. Right. New England couldn't take advantage a lot. Yeah. Uh, versus him. So it's crazy for him to be one of the top safeties in the game and be you know, as far back as he is. But the, the other one I see, too, especially, you know, Landon Collins is another guy I see twice a year, mm-hmm. at least being a Cowboys fan. For him to be 92 is crazy to me. Well, one thing I did say about Landon Collins was that it seemed like the defense took a break because the offense was so injured in disarray. And McAdoo didn't make it fun for the defense, and I don't think that the defense of the New York Giants really brought what they brought in the campaign of 2017, I mean, 2016-17 season. But when you, oh, when, no, but when when coming this season, it it just seems like they're seems like they're um, you know when you get your hopes up over something, it seems like they got their hopes up. They got Brandon Marshall. They put offensive weapons together after they spent money on the defense, and it seemed like since they was in the playoffs and they you know they lost in Lambeau. They felt like this go around when we add more pieces to the offense, but they didn't add offensive linemen. But they felt like that they could just bring it together and do it again. And when the injuries happened and everything, I think the defense shut down. And usually, I'm, I'm saying that's not right. It wasn't right for them to do, but you can tell. You could tell. Oh, well, no question. Um, you know, the year before, they played a little bit easier schedule, too. When you get the, the Browns and Bengals and uh, some of the teams that the NFC East played in 2016, that certainly changes things. Mm-hmm. But Landon Collins, uh, his play was still phenomenal. Um, he didn't have some of those pieces around him. You know, Jenkins was hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eli Apple had a really down year. And, uh, you know, their other corner, uh, I think it was Rogers Camardi. Yeah. You know, he had a, a year where I think they suspended him. He didn't want to play flat out. Mm-hmm. So they, they had question marks across the board. And I think their whole wide receiver court was injured at one point. Beckham, Marshall, and Sterling was out. So, then, you know, they just broke down as a team. But those are some players that jump right off uh, the board at me. Now, um, Kirk Cousins being in there, that, that's a surprising one to me. Yeah. never been affected. Yeah, and, that, and that's funny that you mentioned that. I literally sit there and said he shouldn't be on the list, but I said it twice um, in the previous segment, and the reason why I said that was because, hey, uh, he should be on the list, but B, I know why he's on the list, because he got the highest contract with all guaranteed money. And so if you don't right. put him on if you don't put him on this list, then 
you kind of making that contract for the NFL look kind of stupid. So the the number he's at is it's kind of embarrassing. The fact that the money's getting paid, but the fact that he's on the list, I think they had to find some way to find him on that list because of that contract. Because I don't see nothing he did this season that would put him on this list. I, I'll say this: I don't see anything he's ever done. He's I, as far as I know, he's never even beat a playoff team, right, or a play contending team. Right. I mean, most of his victories in Washington were against. You know, teams picking in the top ten. Mm-hmm. I don't think Washington. Uh, they had the the one playoff season, and if you remember that year, that's the year Tony Romo was hurt. Yep. That's the year Murray went to Philly and mm-hmm. flopped. Mm-hmm. So that was that was the I, year that uh, they beat every team below five hundred. Right, right. So I think in Minnesota it'll be different. He's not going to carry a franchise there because they're you know they're good without him, and they've got a lot of weapons around him, and he'll have more of a real running game there. But it, for right now, to put him on that list. Is a little crazy to me. What he might do in the future is different. Like I said, I think he'll start to get some of those wins against key teams, but right now that's crazy. Yeah, Zimmer, he's got a mean scowl, but I don't think that's going to help too much with the, you know, he, he got a scowl that could, you know, turn a quarterback uh, into like, you know, one to get get right, you know what I'm saying? He got the, that John Gruden scowl or the, the, uh, uh, the scowl of Mike Dick or something like that. He's got a real fierce look about him. But I don't think that's going to help. I don't think that's going to help Cousins' game at all. <laughs> no, Mike Zimmer's a defensive guy. Yeah, kind of going to stick out of the ball. So yeah, but we'll see. but but the one the one thing is that as far as like uh, tackles, um, uh, give a shout out to. I'm gonna move. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna head up, move up in towards the fifties. But one more last um, mention uh, in the nineties with David Bagatieri out of the uh, Green Bay Packers. The one offensive tackle that did do his job for Aaron Rodgers and 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 Brett Hundley. <laughs> oh, Green Bay has one of the most underrated lines in football, and if you really watch them, um, film study will reveal a lot about them. Um, I've kind of read up on them. They coach their offensive line very differently, and, and it's something the Patriots have actually adopted. A couple other teams have adopted some of the things they do. Their offensive linemen don't put their hands on one on the pass rushers first. They usually wait for the pass rushers to extend themselves. Yeah. So they have some tactics to kind of counteract pass rushers and, and help extend the play for Aaron Rodgers, which is what he does best. Right. So, yeah, he him being at 91, uh, he deserves recognition. But like you said, he's one of those guys that even with Hundley in the game, he's still playing at a high level. Right. So, I, I can see him moved up the list as well, but mm-hmm. offensive line is just one of those positions that a lot of people don't see them impact the game, even mm-hmm. though they do. Even though they do, that's right. And big ups to Mike Daniels too. But um, you know, with with moving up a little bit more, you know, Jimmy Graham made it the '80s. You know, I gave big props to Andrew Whitworth. Um, J.J. Watt made the list. I thought that was more off the field than anything because I don't know what he did on the field to be no ready for. I mean, he tried to get back out there. He got back out there. He just didn't look like J.J. Watt to me. He made one play against the, um, who was that? I think it might have been the Arizona Cardinals. No. Help me out here, John. It was a play he made at the end of the game where he made the game win a tackle when they was trying to razzle-dazzle, if I'm not mistaken. But it just, like, through a whole season, he just wasn't J.J. Watt, and he made number 84. And then, um, you know, I mentioned Marcus Peters. He made 79. I thought he could have been higher. Um but, you know, Odell Beckham made the list, and you mean to tell me Marcus Peters going to be higher? Um, you know, uh, so 
you you moving up on the list. You see, you know, saying some impact players starting to you know get on the list that you you're thinking about their season. My one question to you is that what can you like tell me your opinion about Telvin Smith? Because I mentioned him, he was number sixty seven. Like, what do you like about Telvin Smith, the linebacker from the Jacksonville Jaguars? Like, are you a fan of him, or do you think he don't deserve to be on the list? Is he does he deserve to be on the list? Uh, he's a player that I absolutely love, and I loved him coming out of college. And he's one of those guys that you know he's as good as he is, and he shouldn't have got drafted where he was. He right. should have been a first-round draft choice. Yeah, should have. I mean, to me, people, people misuse comparisons all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Derek Brooks, Ray Lewis Jr., Stale, those guys get thrown around a lot. Telvin Smith really has a lot of sideline to sideline speed like those guys he doesn't have the instincts of a Derrick Brooks but he's one of those guys that could become that you know with with some more seasoning and the right people around him Mm -hmm. but he has that range I won't say he has the the playmaking abilities or the instincts but he has that type of range Um, he's almost my ideal outside linebacker I mean he's going to chase anything now yeah that is true I mean and that's one thing I mentioned I said just this pure speed he got I mean like that you know when we mention linebackers and I'm pretty sure he's going to be pretty higher I'm I hope and we just hope with this list goes on um like somebody like a Deion Jones you know somebody that can use be a linebacker and be very um to use their speed the way they can Telvin Smith fits right into that and I just think he makes hell of a place for the Jacksonville Jaguars when they get called Saxonville and Calais Campbell and all those guys get more ink uh, Jalen Ramsey from the secondary and things of that nature. People don't forget about Telvin Smith. Um, but no, he'll be he'll be around in the league making plays for a long time. Right, and um, so before we move to the fifties, um, another question to give your opinion on because this is the reason why I'm asking this question because he's on a new team and the new team was a rival team and the new team is going to want him to perform. So, what do you think Richard Sherman going to do this season? sort of like Philadelphia, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Seattle, but one thing about that defense is they've been building for years, and one thing about Seattle's defense was nobody really saw that defense becoming what it became, because they had a lot of low, I mean, Sherman was a low draft pick. He was, yeah. They, they had a lot of diamonds in the rough, so he's a little bit older now, he's coming back from injury. I think he's going to be just fine, he's in a good situation. Um, but if you look at some of the wide receivers in that division, he's still going to have his work cut out for him. Yeah, he's he going would. to see Fitz twice a year. Yep. He's going to see the Rams in that passing game, and he's going to see Doug Baldwin twice a year. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like he's going to have a good season, um, probably a Pro Bowl season as far as All-Pro. I don't know if he'll, he'll be an All-Pro, but I think he'll have a good bounce back year. And, you know, the, the big thing for him, though, is I hope he didn't play himself with that contract mm-hmm. being his own agent. Mm-hmm. You know, if he has a down year, he's he's really set up to really be broke. He's set up to be in a situation like Des Bryant. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And messing around being broke, you know, Des Bryant. Right. Yeah, so, Des, Des Bryant. You know, I, I hope he get it. I hope he get a call. I hope he get a call. And you know, I hope that this player I'm about to mention now never hits that type of um, uncertainty in their career because I'm such a big fan. I'm not a fan of their college. Because uh, I'm a Miami Hurricane fan, but you know, like I said, I'm I'm I am not a biased person. I love I love all players. My favorite player is Deion Sanders, and I just said I was a Miami Hurricane, so that just lets you know. But Leonard Fournette being number fifty eight, I love that. 
You know what I'm saying? Because nobody didn't. Leonard Fournette is one of those type of running backs that 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 didn't come with all. He can catch out the backfield and he can be something like a Christian McCaffrey or anybody like that or Zeke Elliott. He they people knew he was a hard nosed type runner, but he is living up to the expectation and he's actually taking the time to learn how to catch out the backfield and stuff like that. And when I see that and the, the type of runner he is. He could possibly have a better career than Adrian Peterson, and I know that sounds blasphemous, but he possibly could. Um, he's still young. Yeah, I, I like number fifty-eight is is a fair evaluation for him. But the thing, and you mentioned Zeke, and I do like that because they were both very high picks. Yeah, the thing that guys like him and Zeke do is they transfer teams that are on the bubble. Yeah, you know, let's not forget Jacksonville didn't just spend a decade being Jacksonville picking in the top ten. Right. They transfer teams like that into double-digit win teams because they get touchdowns. Mm-hmm. You could take all the Christian McCaffreys and, and uh, you know all these scat backs that catch the ball, and that's fantastic. And I absolutely like Marshall Falk is my ideal running back. Mm-hmm. You know Barry Sanders is my favorite. That's going to sound like blasphemy to a lot of people, but that's the truth. He's my favorite. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he's the best. But that's a whole other story for another day. Um, but yeah, I think it's ideal to have a guy that can catch. But let's not forget, getting it in the end zone wins you football games. Yes, indeed. Well, the the reason why I said like learning how to catch is because you know something like Christian McCaffrey's going to have to learn is how to run the football in the NFL, which he did kind of learn a little bit towards the end. But in the playoffs, the way they used him, that was like a wide receiver, and he had that perfect. And I thought. He was a big part of him going to the NFC Championship, the Panthers. And, you know, that's just a good thing in your area to where if you think back into the AFC Championship game when Blake Bortles threw that deep ball. Now, I'm not by any means trying to say that Blake Bortles threw a perfect pass, first off. But I'm going to say that if that was Christian McCaffrey or Ezekiel Elliott, that catch would have been made. And it could have been Jacksonville going to the Super Bowl. So when you think about that, it's like you have to make that progression to be able to get in the end zone because that play could be called. And that wheel route was perfect. He outran the linebacker. He sit there and beat him, running down the sideline. And I don't think he made the right play on the ball like he could have, like another running back that can't catch. You know what I'm saying? That can right. catch. And I don't think – I just think he, Zeke Elliott, or Christian McCaffrey, even a Matt Forte would have made that play. And, and like I said, it wasn't the best pass, but it was there. It was there. Well, that comes with knowing your personnel, too. So, yeah. I mean, I, I will say, like, coaches have to put people in a position to succeed. Yeah. So, he, he may become that, but he, definitely the coach has to put the right player in there at the right moment. Now, maybe somebody else didn't have the speed. So, that's a what if, and I won't venture into that. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, and that'll come along with his game. I yeah. mean, all the great running backs, though, that have won rings, uh, you really don't remember them except for Franco Harris. Yeah, you know, that came from the first <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. You don't you don't remember Marcus Allen or, or Walter Payton or Emmitt Smith for the passes they caught. You know, true. That they is true. all caught clutch passes yeah. in big games. But you remember them for crossing the goal line Good point. in a tight playoff game where the weather might not have been great or you know, the defenses have just worn each other out. So great point. Jacksonville's gonna be around as long as he's doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is true. And he get and when I, and that's one thing I say, when it's second and four or third and two, third and three, something like that, you're gonna get a first down with Leonard Fournette, without a doubt. Maybe third and five he gets you a first down. But um the next person I'm gonna name 
is, and I want you to just give me, because I already, already went in on this guy, um, but we're going to move on to where I have not seen part of the list. And this is where we're going to get going with a, uh, with a good flow, hopefully. But here we go with Deshaun Watson. And, and say, what, 30 seconds or to a minute, what can you say about Deshaun Watson? I think he's everything you want out of a first-round pick. I mean, the guy was a winner in college. His measurables are fantastic. Um, you know, he got in the league and produced right away. I mean, that's everything you want in a first-round pick. And Houston's got – they're going to have a quarterback for a decade mm-hmm. with him. And, you know, he's got weapons there. Fuller looked like a all-world all receiver he did. when he was there. He did. You know, there was a drop-off. He got injured, you know, later on. Mm-hmm. But he still – you could tell the drop-off when Watson went out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they'll be they'll be in contention of that division, you know, maybe in a year or two. I, I still think Jacksonville is is probably so better than them. Right. Yeah, ten, Tennessee is built so well. Yes, they so are. It's gonna be hard for them to beat yeah, it's gonna be hard for them to beat them, but I love Deshaun Watson and uh, I think that nobody expected him to come in and be what he was. When he carved up Seattle the way he did, he made some mistakes at the end of that game. That comes with being young, but I think he's the ideal quarterback you want if you're going forward in this league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. And uh, moving and moving up from the list, I mean that's Deshaun Watson from John Overstreet right there. And just a reminder, people watching, this is John Overstreet. I, I like to call him my NFL guru. I mean this guy, I like to talk to the NFL with. I ask him NFL questions. Anything popping in the NFL, I come to him first. So it, that's me introducing this guy again and again. This is John Overstreet right here. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to the NFL, and it's a joy. To be able to be able to sit there and, and go back and forth with you there, John. But uh, to keep moving up on the list, number forty-nine. This is one of my favorite players, and and I'm glad he's in the forties. But Darius Slay, the corner from Detroit Lions, that guy. People don't see him. I mean, he's like he's like the Osmanwah of the NFC or something like. But he, but see, the thing is about Darius Slay, he actually gets the interceptions, and he actually plays corner in a way to where. You know, in these games, he he he's he's shutting stuff down, man. And I, Darius Slay is one of my favorite favorite corners in this league, and I'm so glad they got him above the players like Akeem Talib and um, um, and and uh, Hayward um, because he his game his game you know might not um, go so big to where the Lions can't get over the hump because you got to you know you put all your money in Matthew Stafford and that offense got to score points. But Darius Slay is holding up his end of the bargain. Is basically what I'm saying. Oh, I, I love Slay, and if I'm if I'm not mistaken, he made that big play to. Uh, what was that? That was um. He picked off Carson Wentz right to end the game versus Philadelphia. I want to say that was him. Yeah, it was him. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, yeah, I was pretty sure. I mean, he's a he's a good corner lockdown. I think he got injured a little bit this year he did. too. So he that, did. Uh, yeah, that'll affect your performance, but. You know, the thing, I, I like Tlaib a lot, and I think Tlaib is a winner and a champion and all that, but one thing you can say about Tlaib, all the stops he's been in, you know, especially where the team has had success, he's had a good corner across from him. Yes, Chris Harris, number off the bat, then he had Darrell Reeves with him. I mean, what else did you want? Yes, yeah, so that's, that's the game changer, you know. Yeah. What Slay's doing is he's going, he's going to some of these guys without having that other elite player beside him. But that's so, one, that's one of the things where I call to keep to leave. He's like the J.R. Smith of the NFL. Not saying what I mean. Literally, I mean, like I mean, if you if you look at it that way, athletic can do things. He can run back interceptions. He can run back punts when he came in the league. 
He got into some off-field trouble. He moved to the Patriots. Got a, got got right. Played right. Had somebody good on the other side. That makes sense. He's I, like, I picked, I might go with Clay Thompson, but I'll tell you why. Uh, uh, he's not going to make a difference by himself. Mm-hmm. But when you pair him with the right guy, he's he's he becomes the difference maker, and he does a lot of things that you don't really see or pay attention to. Right. So I, I think I'd put him. Above Jr. In, in that sense, but like I well, said, well, with talent level being and saying their 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 stature of of the player, I, I agree with the Clay Thompson uh, theory because he's he's an upper echelon to corner. I'm saying reason why I said Jr. Smith is because of oh, he's gonna do some bonehead exactly. And then with that, he he shows all world athleticism. You know, what I'm saying where Clay Thompson may not be all that great athletic athletically, but we have seen Jr. Smith do things in our in in, in our lives and when, in his career, three sixty layups, catching alley oops, windmilling them in the game, catching them late and windmilling them. You know, what I'm saying like doing stuff like that to where whenever he came about with LeBron James, that's when you saw the defense come out, him being focused and stuff like that. So that was like when Tlaib went to the Patriots. That's when we saw that. And when he went to the, the Broncos, you saw him hungry after the ring, and then he gets the ring with the Broncos, and then it's like, now you're like, what? I'm just wondering what type of Tlaib we're going to have in this 2018-19 campaign. That's all. He'll be better with Wade. I mean, not to say he wasn't great last year, but he's back with Wade Phillips. That Rams defense, man, overnight, they're almost like the, the Warriors. You know, they had a couple pieces to begin with. Maybe not the Warriors, maybe like uh, – you know, they, they added a Bosch and a Wade. Mm-hmm. You pick up Indomitian Sue in the corners that they picked up to add to, to Aaron Donald and, you know, some of what they already had, Joiner back there in the secondary, they're going to be trouble. That is true. That is true. That is absolutely right. Um, <laughs> now, now this player right here that I'm going to bring up, and that, that uh, uh, well, I'm going to give a quick shout-out to Harrison Smith for making number 46. I'm not going to really go into him. Um, because he, he's a good football player. He shows up. He's like one of the lunch pail guys. He And he's athletic, too. I mean, he's a hell of a safety. But big ups to him. Big ups to Devontae Adams making 45. Um, but this was a, this is a player right here that, 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 you know, when he came out of college, I don't know why. He was your Heisman Trophy winner. Your Heisman Trophy winner. And and people still was like, well, just wait till Trent Richardson come in the league. Or wait till Eddie Lacy come in the league. And and who's on the list? Mark Ingram. Who's not on the list? Trent Richardson. Who's not on the list? Eddie Lacy. So the one thing that this is, uh, I, I mean, ESPN, um, you know, Fox Sports, NFL Network, whatever, was not as high on Mark Ingram as like I was or college people. In NFL, he was too small. Or he might not have a breakaway speed, or I don't know. Just wait till Trent Richardson come in the league because you saw a lot from him. I heard a lot of that. Mark Ingram is two-time Pro Bowler, and he's number 43 on his list, and he's been New Orleans Saints leading rusher. Now, Alvin Kamara came into the system and really made it a lot easier for him, so now you really get to see him shine. What do you think about Mark Ingram? Um, I like I like Ingram a lot, and, and I'll say this. Um, one player he's always reminded me of is, is Emmitt Smith. Yeah. And the yep. reason I say that is, just what you said, he's not going to break away with this blazing 4-2 speed. Mm-hmm. He's not going to juke a bunch of people. Right. He will put it down and get you consistent yardage mm-hmm. and make Pro Bowls. Yep. Now, the only thing I will say is um, he hasn't got the consistent carries because nope. the Saints just don't. You know, their offense is so 
committee. Yeah, in committee while a running back. Right. So, I mean, Kamara coming in, loosening up, and doing a lot of the other things definitely helped him. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit different game. But I, I, I've always been a fan of Mark Ingram, and I kind of like what you said. I mean, to the layman looking at Trent Richardson, yeah, it was easy to say that because Trent Richardson looked like the incredible hawk in a running back's body. But Trent Richardson never had the vision, balance, or things that are vital to a running back. You know, most people look at a running back and they go, oh, he's faster. You know, he's this. Vision and, and balance and being able to get the right hole and read your blocks, that's the most important thing to run it. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't figure out where to run to. You're in trouble right there. No matter how fast you are, if you run into another guy, you just did it faster. Right. So I've always liked Mark Ingram and his style. I think he's a, a patient runner. Um, but like I said, he's kind of that plotting running back that's always going to get you positive yardage. The Saints just don't give him the ball enough. And it's unfortunate that he got suspended. Um, I don't know the whole story with his uh, PED. Me neither. But yeah, I, I just want to see him get back on the field. The Saints, to me, before last season, I thought they were going to be everything they were. Just they the lost defense. in the most unfortunate way. Yeah, and the defense stepped up this um, past season because the season before, everybody was wondering where they at. But you make smart draft picks and players got better and then, you know, then the defense showed up to where you they made a run to get to almost to the Super Bowl. And that would have been crazy if that would have happened. Um, you know, Marshawn yeah, Lattimore and, and Lattimore, Yeah. Uh, one of the better corners in the league. Yeah. And then and then you still had your defensive lineman that was still on the team, somebody like a uh Cameron Jordan, who was a freaking monster. <laughs> I yeah, mean, I mean Got to be mentioned up there at the top defensive end. Right, that guy, and I got to see him at the Greenbrier uh, here in West Virginia. Man, that's just, that's just a huge human being. I mean, I just would hate to get in an altercation with that fella. But um, number forty-two, Earl Thomas. Now, reason why I'm gonna bring this guy up because he broke his leg the season before, and that was his first injury in the NFL where he was going to miss any time. If I'm if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Earl is. Um He's one of those safeties, I think, that's, that's almost one of the ideal players. He's, he's a little on the shorter side, being 5'10". Yeah, safety, but, yeah. Man, uh, Cowboys Nation lusted over this guy the whole offseason. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, from the moment that Seattle beat us and then pretty much eliminated us from the playoffs, and he said, come get me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was a nonstop. I feel like that man's DMs are still ringing from, you know, Cowboys fans. Probably. He, yeah, I mean, but he's the, the ideal playmaking ball hawk safety mm-hmm. and Seattle's going to have to get him a new contract I, personally I think they'll probably move on after this year because yeah. they're not going to pay a safety like that no. especially getting close to 30 mm-hmm. man, he, he's a ball hawk he'll come back from the injury just fine yeah. that tomahawk chop where he forced a fumble at the goal line that was just, that's man. one of the most instinctive plays I've ever seen ever, in my life ever, ever. Earl Thomas is amazing and that, that's one player right there that I always said, coming out of Texas, I said, he's going to be good. I said, he is going to be good. I said, Earl Thomas. I said, because he plays with the type of records of band in the world. Like, it's Russell Westbrook. Like, he goes in for a tackle knowing that it's going to hurt him and the other guy or whatever. He gets right up and goes, it's not time for the next play. Let's go. Yeah. And that's, and that's been him. That's been him. Next question, John Overstreet. We're coming up on number 40. I want to say this right now because this is like a two-part question. And maybe you can explain this to me because this is going to your team. And the player, person I'm going to mention is not is not on the list, but the person I'm, that's on the list we're going to get to first, and that's Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill being number 40 I think is great because he is such a dynam, uh, dynamic uh, 
weapon in in the NFL. Um, to be able to come out the backfield, wide receiver, punt returns, kickoff, it don't matter. You can put him anywhere. I think he could be productive. I think if you put him in the PA announcer, he could probably do that good. So, I mean, Tyreek Hill, to me, is a Swiss Army knife. And him being number 40, I have no problem with. But my question is to you is, like, somebody like a Tavon Austin, who actually got a good contract with the Rams, didn't work out still, now he's playing for the Cowboys, what 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 do you expect from him and what do you think he's a bust and why isn't he like Tyreek Hill? Because if you think about Tyreek Hill, the next person you think about is Tavon Austin. Uh I think I will say this. Watching video of, of Tavon, um like I said, Cowboys fans love the lust. I mean, you know, we love the past too. So yeah. That Tavon's night game versus Oklahoma has been uh, around Twitter an awful lot with Cowboys fans, and they're just gushing about, you know, what, what he did to the Sooners. Right. If you really watch Tavon, his speed in that game, even his speed his rookie season, he's lost a step. Yeah. It's notable the more you watch him from those days. Yeah. Um, and he went a four. He went, he did, when he ran a 40, he ran a 4-4, four, four, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, he, he's always had the speed, but what I think is he played in that Jeff Fisher offense. When he got in the NFL, he, he maybe took a hit here or there that he wasn't used to getting in college. When when he was in college, like people forget at WVU, he, never he, ran, he ran uh, drag routes. He ran a lot of those um, handoff plays, basically, where mm-hmm. Gino took a shotgun snap and just tapped the ball to him. Yeah. So there was a lot of times in West Virginia he wasn't a polished route runner or anything like that. Now, I've seen him run polished routes in the NFL, Mm -hmm. but you go from having a great college quarterback like Geno and and a Stanford Bailey across from you to the league where a lot of people, like in college, Tavon did things that was like having a game with rookie money. He was just physically talented more more than anything Maryland or Marshall or a lot of these schools had to offer. Mm -hmm. He got to the league and that speed, I think, you know, everybody else, linebackers have that type of speed. Mm-hmm. And I think that hurt his game. And then just the personnel around him. The Rams never really put a quarterback around him. And, you know, Case Keenum went to Philly and did – or I'm sorry, Case Keenum went to Minnesota and did what he did. But different setup there. And, you know, Sam Bradford just didn't work there either. And I think a lot of that had to do with Jeff Fisher. But I, I think Tavon just didn't have the right guy for him. And also in the NFL, when you're such a small target like that, Usually you're a slot receiver, and that's why. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's hard to hit a guy that's 5'9", 20 yards down the field. That is true. So, you know, Tyreek's a little bigger. Tyreek has maintained his speed well, and I think he knows how to get down a little bit better. Yeah. But I, I do like him being on a list at number 40. Tyreek Hill's one of those guys that when you play against him, you have to know where he's at at all times. At all times. He, he's one of those guys Every you know, every week you know there's a guy on the, on the other team that you're like he could have a big game against us. Tyreek Hill, you think the worst? Like he's a 300 yard game waiting to happen. Wait, or a game changing performance like in the second half you're up two touchdowns and you think you got it one and the next thing you know Tyreek Hill happens and you're just like dang. Caught a slant against the Cowboys. No time left. He had a couple blockers in front of him. He juked five guys in the secondary and scored. And, you know, he left the whole stadium wondering what just happened. Yeah, like, dang, we, what, that, uh, that, and it, you, usually, <clears throat> usually you see that a lot in college football. I, I mean, am I, am I not right? You see that more often yeah. in college football where that happened in the NFL, the fans were like, uh, 
Uh, I, 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 I was up in that game and I went in the other room to get a drink and when I came back the score was tied and I'm thinking they had like you know they didn't run the kickoff back what did they do? <laughs> Tyreek Hill <laughs> and that's yeah. why and that's why he's number 40 now we got a few more players yeah. we got a few more players we're going to mention now we're hitting the 30s um, the list stopped at 31 waiting for it to uh, get back going so we can continue this um, I think I think the list, you know, saying it's it's a work in progress, but I'm glad they're doing this because it gives us a chance to to talk about it and to give our reason why players should be higher or lower or not on the list at all. Kirk Cousins, <clears throat> but um, now we're in the 30s. Um, moving in on number 39 is Tyron Smith, um, injured last season, um, you know, battled injury, um, you know, he was out in a crucial game where it's highlighted against the Falcons where. Um, it was a defensive end by the name of Adrian Claiborne, who was drafted by the Buccaneers, uh, moved around a little bit, found his way um, back in the NFC South, and he had his career high, and it was a record seven sacks against Chaz Green. And everybody, that was all the talk, man, if they'd had Tyron Smith, and all oh, Tyron Smith is healthy, and we need Tyron Smith. So is Tyron Smith getting a little long in the tooth to where these injuries going to be happening more frequent, or is he going to be okay? Is he going to be Tyron Smith of old? Is this Dallas Cowboy offensive line with the tackles breaking down? Um, I think he'll recover, but I will say this. He's he's had back injuries, and he's he's missed a few games the last few years. It's not just this year. Um, now, Chaz filled in against San Francisco week four of 2016, and he played a very good game. Mm-hmm. In San Francisco, like I said, they've got a lot of young picks on that defensive line, mm-hmm. so – it just so happened that was a perfect storm. Chaz Green had the worst game of his life. Yeah. Adrian Clayton had the game of his life. Right. And I don't see neither one of them having a game like that ever again. <laughs> no, and, and Chaz Green has actually uh, seeked out Duke Mayweather and, and been involved in his camp. And, you know, he's doing a lot of offseason work that people aren't seeing. He's okay. a third round pickup. Yeah, I mean, Taz Green had a lot of stake as far as like moving up into the rotation because offensive line, you don't just play your starters all game; you got to rotate out. Oh well, and, and injuries happen. So Jerry right. Parnell got paid forty-two million dollars to go to Jacksonville when Doug Free was hurt right. know, on that same capital line. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, Tyron there is, is very fair. I think he's better than that, healthy, but you have to take that into account. Mm-hmm. Um, Dak Prescott holds the ball, not like uh, Aaron Rodgers or Ben Roethlisberger. They hold the ball to extend the play and make something happen. Dak is, he has to see the throw before he makes it. Yes. So when Tyron Smith's not there, I mean, that hurts his game. I don't know that we necessarily beat Atlanta with him. I mean, I'm not going to get into what ifs. Atlanta came out with a better plan. They pulled away from us in the second half Mm -hmm. and couldn't stop the run anymore. Uh, Sean Lee actually got injured in that game yes, as well. So. And if, if Skip Bayless was talking, you know, he would say something in the lines of, whoop, Sean Lee went down, and oh, my God, the Cowboys are going to lose the game. Right, and so that's why you draft a, a Jalen Smith and a Leighton Van Der Etch in two out of the last three years. But yeah. Tyron Smith healthy is, I think he's 1A or 1B, depending, you know, what, who you like. But Trent Williams is right there with him, and I know Trent's on the list too, but they're both amazing tackles. Um, again, I, once you start to get in the top 40, you're talking about the best. You're talking about all-pro teams, yes. you know, first-team team all-pro. Mm-hmm. He's a first- or second-team all-pro most years. So yes. once you get to this part of the list, there, there shouldn't be any misses, and I don't think he is. 
Saints. Right. So, I mean, I, I think he's going to come back right. And you're talking about a guy who went through a lot of adversity. Um, this guy was having problems with his own family with financial stuff. You know, family wanting money, wanting houses, wanting cars. And as soon as he finally gets that right in his life, injuries come. It's just like, wow, he was going through out the stress after stress. And he gets that empty out of his, you know, because he got a balance in that. And then here comes the injuries. Well, I hope he comes back 100 and he won't have no problems. Because Tyrone Smith is one of my favorite linemen. And, uh, you know, uh, with Jordan, uh, with Jason Kelsey and uh, and uh, some others. Um, but he, he's on the top of that list. Um, but keeping the list moving. Um, I want to. I'm gonna go ahead and, and give a shout out to Jared Goff for making number 38. I'm not gonna go in real deep in him. Um, I just knew with a different coach he would play better um, because Jeff Fisher just just ain't don't cut it with quarterbacks. He don't cut it. Period. Really, no more in the NFL. So when Sean McVay came in, I kind of figured that Jared Goff was gonna have a better turnaround. Plus, you know, it was some letdowns out there that he did on himself on his own that he didn't throw the ball right. And there was some things I knew he was gonna correct because watching Hard Knocks showed me that Jared Goff really pays attention to detail on himself to where I'm not going to be out there and be a failure, and I'm going to be good. I don't want to be horrible, and I think him and Sean McVay linked up and did good on that. Um, and so, you know, good luck to Jared Goff in this, you know, really I want to say it's his sophomore year because he didn't really have much of a rookie year. No, and you, you nailed that. I mean, Jeff Fisher is like the Titanic of the NFL. He can bring anybody down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's period. So moving to 37, this is the player I did want to get into is Joey Bosa because he didn't get drafted because of him. You know what I'm saying? It was the him. It was like the Eli Manning. It was type, it was, it was, it was drama to it. So now he finally gets on the football field the season before and we got to see a little piece of him and stuff like that. But now we get to really see Joey Bosa and it turns out this guy is a wrecking machine. Yeah, I had an opportunity to see him play in person. Um, I went to the uh, Buckeyes home opener against Hawaii after mm-hmm. they won the national championship, mm-hmm. and he suspended that game. Mm-hmm. So it really hurt me that I didn't get to see you know a uh, top three draft prospect play. But right. man, he's been nothing but what the Chargers envisioned since they drafted him. Mm-hmm. This guy's in a division with Von Miller and and Khalil Mack. He's right there with them, and yep. that speaks volumes about yep. his game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just so wide. He he reminds me of Connor Barwin, more athletic, um, but same speed and stuff. But just, you know how Connor Barwin was kind of like a condor. His arms just went so far out. and how Joey Bosa is the same way. Just a, just a big individual that can just impose his will. And, you know what I'm saying, and he's, and he's, he's talented. He's athletic. I mean, you know, Urban Meyer ain't going to bring you on your team if you're not those things, period. So, you know. Oh, not at all. Yeah. And he had a moment with Tom Mahali switching jerseys and uh, doing a little, well, I don't know if they switched jerseys, but I know he was kind of getting some pass rushing advice from, from Tom Mahali. Yeah, he, yep, he was. He was. He was getting some pass rushing advice. And, that, and you know, that's just showing respect because if he would have been trash, if he would have been somebody no good, Tom Mahali would have just walked right by him, period. Yeah, it, to me, that was one of the best things I saw last year. That was a real game-recognized game moment. And, and I commend Tom Bahali for taking a moment, and, and that's a rival. Yeah, that's know? what I'm saying. That, that that was that was a good moment. That was a good moment to have on film, like a, or on 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 video. Absolutely, I mean that's what the game is all about, and I think mm-hmm. people forget that sometimes. It's about winning, no question. Mm-hmm. But that that's really the way to win, and, and you pass that on to the next generation. Right. And uh, I, he is to me. I think he's he's the next generation. He's the next generation pass rusher. 
like you said, he's got a wider body than some of these outside linebacker mm-hmm. head pressures. Mm-hmm. But that fits what San Diego does so well. Yeah, it does. So the next guy we're going to talk about is moving right up the list, number 36, Adam Thielen. And my question is to you, Rob, the bat is, can he do what he did again? I mean, can he do that again? Can he be what, you know, is it, was it Case Keenum? Was it just that year? Was it the system? Was it the defense that made the offense just that comfortable? Can Adam Thielen do that with Kirk Cousins at quarterback? I, I'm going to say this and try not to gush too much on him because he was my uh – 2017 man crushing fantasy football. <laughs> I had all four of my teams. <laughs> um, just kind of reading a lot in the off season. Um, he led. He was either in the top or top five or led the league in yards per route or yards per route out of the slot or um, you know he, he graded out in everything that, that I could find. Pro Football Focus, um, any independent studies, mm-hmm. any statistical category. That it kind of showed what a wide receiver. Like, I think his catch percentage was top five or top three or whatever. And I, I said, man, this guy had a good season. He had, I think, 900 yards or something like that in 2016. Mm-hmm. So I really looked at him as a sleeper to, to have maybe 1,000 yards and just be a guy I could draft late in fantasy football. And he became, you know, the, the monster that he is. Yeah. I think he's here to stay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he can do it again because it's just, you know, when you see – when you see a wide receiver like him, you think of Keenan Allen, you think of Jordy Nelson, you think of um, you think of guys that just can just run a route, get open, catch the ball. You know, if, if they can break loose, they can break loose. He has some separation to him. You know what I'm saying? So, like, those type of wide receivers can can, can be opposite of uh, Stephon Diggs, a uh, A.J. Green, a, you know, a, 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 a star wide receiver. You know, Fuller to uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Thielen can be a... A, a a very good um he's a premium number two. I that's why I say he's a premium number two. If you put him in a number one spot, I don't know, because Stefan Diggs I think owns that spot. I think he kinda showed that he owns that spot. So Adam Thielen I think is a premium number two, take the words of Max Kellerman there. I don't want to sound like I'm biting or nothing, but as to say I'm not gonna just call him a regular number two wide receiver. He is somebody uh, I, they're interchangeable. Yes, yes. Yeah you know, based that, on that. Yes, I like it. I like it. I like how you put that. That's 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 perfect. Um, so you know, Adam Thielen. I just I hope Kirk Cousins can at least be happy to got him. You know, he did. Kirk Cousins did throw the ball to Pierre Garcon pretty well, and I put him in that same dependable run the route, get open, catch type guy. So maybe he can do that with Adam Thielen too. Oh, he will. I mean, watching Minnesota last year and film of them, he ran a lot of routes that were concept or design plays and you know just kudos to them for for getting them open yeah you know, minnesota had a big play to designs yeah they did and what did the other players that help out kyle rudolph is a person to be mentioned that in that whole uh thing too to, that that gets people open kyle rudolph is something to be uh reckoned with too oh very much so and i, I didn't see him on the uh list here but he's He's a very good tight end. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I wouldn't put him in the class of a Jimmy Graham. No, 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 no. He was at number 89. Yeah. No, but he, he is a valuable weapon for them, and he draws coverage in the red zone especially. Right. And, and, and another thing about Kyle Rudolph, he's just a guy that's not he, – he's not going to jump off the screen, but he is a guy that if the ball is near him and catching, you're not going to knock him off his heels. He's a big, sturdy guy. 
that's what you need from a tight end. Right. And then, you know, there's some guys that Vernon Davis can get knocked off his heels. Um, you know, uh, you know, I seen from uh, even Jake Reed. You know, Jake Reed was another Jordan Reed. I'm sorry, Jordan Reed for the Redskins. He's a very good tight end, but when he gets hit, oh my God, he changes. He changes. Yeah, he can't stay healthy, and that's, right. that's unfortunate for them. Right. Yeah, and, you're right. Those are two good examples. They right. Take uh, punishment. Very well. Right. So moving up on the list, somebody I want to give kudos real quick. Not gonna go too much into is AJ Bouye. He is right now topping out all the cornerbacks in the 30s by passing a keep to lead and my favorite, Darius Slay, and others like Hayward. Um, but, you know, A.J. Bouye, I knew was good at the Texans. And I said, well, if he stays at the Texans, you know, that defense is going to be good. You know what I'm saying? be straight if you, you know, keep him. He went on to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I said, well, him and Jalen Ramsey, uh, that could be the best secondary in football. Easy. I said, because you got two guys that are young, very smart, and playing the position. And A.J. Bouye can be a captain. He can, He's a leader-type guy. He, he, a lot of the drawing that went on in the huddles and stuff like that on the defensive side, you might have seen from Calais Campbell, but you saw A.J. Bouye talking, too. Oh, absolutely. Now, I, I can't believe that Houston let him go for nothing. Right. That's what I'm saying. And, and you know, A.J. Bouye, I mean, that, that guy's like – and he went to LSU, if I'm not mistaken, right? I'm not sure right off, but, I mean, the, the thing that jumped out to me with him was, like I said, with uh, Talib. He was great in his own right in Houston. Mm-hmm. And then he went and joined another great corner. And now it's nowhere for your outside receivers to run and hide. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like, that's 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 <clears> – <throat> That's interesting. That's 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 one of the things I said. That's just interesting to see a player like that 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 was kind of slept on in in Houston. AJ Bouye wasn't really mentioned until he started playing good, and everybody's like, "Whoa, you see that guy? Okay, he played at UCF." And I got that correct. He played at UCF. Just a good. He's, oh, a, he's a talented kid. That's a talented kid. But moving on to the list of another player that you. Um, that you, uh, that me and you had a conversation about before we came on. That's Demarcus Lawrence, and you said that you know, good as he is, but you don't know if he's like one of the best defensive, you know, ends in football. I'm going to slightly disagree. I'm not saying he's like top three, but man, Demarcus Lawrence, does he say quit? Never. Does his motor shirt off? I don't know. So, do you ever see him take a playoff? I've never seen it. So when you look at players like that, he might not have 20 sacks. He may not do J.J. Watt things. He may not, you know, burst the scene. But to be number 34 in his list is at least telling you a lot. Oh, it does. But I, the, a quick recap on him. So his rookie year, he didn't really – he didn't have any sacks in the, in the regular season. He dealt with a lot of injuries. And I don't think we activated him until maybe week 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. Um, so his rookie season, the big play was – he picked up the fumble from where Matthew Stafford got uh, sacked in the playoff game and fumbled it back to Detroit. Mm-hmm. You know, and then a few plays later, he ends up with the sack to win the game, um, stripped fumble and recovered it himself. So a lot of people called his rookie season a success off of that, but mm-hmm. he didn't get started until late. Um, second year, he had a suspension, and uh, he came back. Greg Hardy drew a lot of double teams, and he had eight sacks in 12 games, so he had a really good year that year. Um so then fast forward to 2016, I believe he had one sack and was in the uh, Pittsburgh game. Mm-hmm. So coming into this year, he only had nine sacks in 
you know, three seasons. So, for me, I, I think last year, once again, we're talking about the top 40 being first-team All-Pro, second-team All-Pro. Mm-hmm. I feel like last year he played first or second-team All-Pro, you know, depending on uh, where you rank Calais Camp. He made it, I think, uh, at two positions, if I'm not, you know, wrong there. Yeah, yeah he did. But he Lawrence, did. Lawrence has a great motor, and I think that rookie year you saw it when he had that Leon Lett moment. He really could have just went into the to the tank and, and not kept playing, but he really showed then that he had the character and uh, ability to come back and, and keep playing and right. play through his mistakes. Exactly. And then another thing is, too, he's got one of the best sack celebrations of all time. I mean, like, he brings so much attention. I think Goldberg about to come out of his helmet or something. Like, he gets a sack, he smacks the field, he sits there and he's screaming and going crazy. That's football. You know, you're not sitting there booty dancing for crying out loud. I mean, he's actually intense. You know what I'm saying? He borrowed that from DeMarcus Ware. That was Ware's thing. Yeah. And that, that, yeah, He's, yeah, sure did. Yeah, and he, he missed DeMarcus Ware by a year. You know, we cut DeMarcus Ware in 2014, and then we drafted uh, DeMarcus Lawrence that mm-hmm. same year. So mm-hmm. they passed without ever playing together or anything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, DeMarcus Ware does coach Dallas as a uh, consultant at times. Like, right. he was at OTAs. He's been in camps with them. DeMarcus Lawrence, his handwork is... If you find a defensive end, his better hands show him to. Okay, and then, I, and then, I don't think they're out there. Yeah, hey, that's and that's a and that's a very good um, attribute to put on Demarcus Lawrence because you're all right, and that's for defensive end. That's just that's just wonderful, and that's what gives him the advantage sometimes to really just get the jump on a tackle because he's just like, up. Oh, you're not you're not going to just get your, be able to manhandle me. You can't manhandle me, and then I'm going to show you my athleticism. And he gets there, man. Yeah. He's he's one of my favorites. He's definitely one of my favorites. I I tell you a quick one, a funny one. Here goes the people that play Madden. Here's here's me, you know, doing a all time roster with all time greats on it, and I do a draft, and he's on the team, and he ends up wink, um, you know, I, the way I draft the team, he ends up starting. I'm like, yeah, I got Demarcus Lawrence. He's starting with all these all time pro, all time greats. And during that, he's like one of the best players I had on the team. So here, even on a video game. Demarcus Lawrence just overachieves. <laughs> oh yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I give him. I, I'm glad he made the list of number 34. Now moving up to number 33, we're we getting to the last uh, of this list until it continues. So that's 33, 32, and 31. Number 33, somebody that I felt like kind of he led the league in rushing. He led the league in rushing, but maybe not as the best in the second half of the season because he might have been, you know, um, the rookie of him, like him being a rookie. It might have took a toll on him or the offense might have changed because it seemed like they just stopped giving him the ball. But Kareem Hunt being the leading rusher in the in the league and, and, and to kind of not have the best second half of the season because, to me, they could have won that playoff game, if you ask me, if they would have just gave him the ball. It's always been such an Andy Reid problem to give running backs the football. I don't understand. Um, Went, I think, eight weeks without a rushing touchdown. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, which is crazy to me. And one one thing I'll say is he did hit a wall in the second half, and it almost seemed like it happened in the Dallas game. He was leading the league going in, Mm -hmm. and um, you know, he he, I think he he might have had 30 yards rushing or something. Yeah, it was bad. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, of course, I feel a little jaded because my guy got suspended for six games or whatever. But, 
leading the league in rushing in Kansas City, he'll have another chance to do it. He kind of burst on the scene with that big game he had against the Patriots in his very first game in the league. Man, just give him the ball, block for him, good things will happen. I hope the city really gives him the opportunities to be the back that he can't be. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I hope so too. And that for somebody to come from the college he came from and, you know, get that chance. And a lot of people knew about him. A lot of people was like, hey, he going to be good. You know, so that's just good in itself that, you know, he had confidence in himself. People had confidence in him, and he didn't let nobody down. So he made number 33, and I think that's acceptable. Um, he just got to let it go all season, you know what I'm saying? And for a guy coming in for a second year, it, it could happen. You know, I ain't going to sit there and say, well, He's, he might be a guy that, you know, that, you know, shuts it down, you know what I'm saying? But he might learn from that and be able to pace himself to be great all year long. So moving to number 32, this is somebody else that, you know, that people, you know, complain about effort, um, complain about, you know, was he out there just for the money? You know, he quit in college. Um, now he gets there, he's hurt. Now he's damaged goods. And now he's better than J.J. Watt. I'm saying it now, which I said it before. I said it before. People were sitting there just bashing him. But Jadavion Clowney is now arrived. He's arrived. He's like, you know, like when that movie Goal, uh, when uh, that guy Calvin Harris, whenever he said, I'm here now, yeah. And, you know, he's he's like, I, I mean, like, I ain't turning back now. And he's playing with raw Intensity, like people are like, man, the way it gets. John Gruden talked about Jadavion Clowney on that Monday Night Football game more than than anybody else on that field. Oh yeah, well, first of all, you said it exactly right. He's past JJ Watt. Yeah, and that, that's clear. Like he's no question their best their best player on the, uh, on that side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of reminds me of you knew T.O. was better than Jerry Rice, but Jerry was just still there. Yes. So I. I First of all, with J.J. Watt, I know you kind of touched on him quickly earlier. We all hope he gets back to being who he was, but we're all realistic. First of all, that man is, is a fantastic humanitarian. Yeah. He did more for, for the people of Houston in the hurricane. Say he it again. for the children that were killed by their classmate. You know, he paid for the funerals. So we all hope he gets back healthy. Mm-hmm. That still doesn't stop stop us from saying what I feel like is obvious, which is what you said. Jadavion Clowney has surpassed him. You know, now he's kind of the complimentary piece if he could get healthy to clown. Yeah, I, and and to to add in another thing, J.J. Watt may have taught Jadavion Clowning things. You know, on his on his way up to be where he is right now. I'm not saying that that was like a five year you know saying thing. I'm just saying J.J. Watt. Could have, you know, open, you know, had Jadavion Clowney come in on day one as a rookie. He could have had him under his arm and not even been, you know, documented or anything like that. But it showed him the way. So JJ Watt is a great teammate that I wanted to add. He's, you know, great teammate, great leader, and um, and I think he would be. I think he's the type of player that is acceptable to the fact that he's like, yeah, he's better than me, <laughs> and I'm gonna come in and do what I do. And if he come back to be JJ Watt, I mean, that's too terrorist. At, at defensive end, is just going to rain terror on that quarterback. And, I mean, it's not going to be too much people can do with that defense <laughs> if that happens. Not at all. Not at not all. Because if, if I'm not mistaken, uh, M- Mr. Merciless is still on that defense as well. 
He is. Now, they did lose Brian Cushing. But yes. He's one of the guys starting to get up there in years. Right. And But Merciless is, is Merciless. I think his last name is fitting. His last name is fitting for the defense, but it's more fitting for him. I mean, he's Merciless. <laughs> but, um, 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 uh, moving to number 31. And this this person right here, I always it's hard. Look, I'm I'm gonna flat out say it. It's hard for me to really grade or just really really um, analyze this quarterback because I knew what he was in college. I knew his ceiling. It seemed like that somebody, an architect or somebody, took that ceiling, removed it, removed that ceiling, and then trying to just extend it. This is what I'm saying with Matthew Stafford. I'm not taking nothing away from his success or nothing like that. But what I'm going to say about Matthew Stafford may upset some people. He had Calvin Johnson his whole career. Uh, there's no mistake in there, okay? He's had Calvin Johnson. He was able to put up great numbers there. Calvin Johnson retires. I'm not taking nothing away from Matthew Stafford. He got a gun. He can throw it hard. He can throw it deep. He can throw a sidearm with zip. He's got that type of ability. That's why he was the top pick of the draft. What I'm saying is, when you got a guy like that, and he's, you know, he's he's good on camera. He's good as far as talking and things like that. He 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 has a willingness to, you know, want to learn because you you look at him from his rookie year and moving up. He did get in the classroom. He he did. You saw the improvements of him talking to coaches on the sideline, make sure he was aware, even though he was injured or whatever. He got back out there. He showed toughness and heart and all that. So this is where I'm trying to tell you. I'm not trying to take away from him nothing. There, You can start. To, you can see, though, some inconsistencies and weaknesses and stuff to where gets thrown under the rug. And when I bring in Calvin Johnson is that he was able to be great with numbers because Calvin Johnson, could you look at Calvin Johnson's numbers in his short career? They're amazing. To almost put that man in the Hall of Fame, even though people say, eh, he might need to do more. So what I, with all that said, he had one good year when Calvin Johnson was gone, and they still had to switch segments. Anchor FM, I love this app. It gives you an hour in each segment. Me and John Overstreet, we're back. When we talk NFL, we talk sports, period. But when we talk NFL, that's what happens. But we're going over the top 100 list. So we're going in in detail. We're not doing every single player, but we are at the last player of the list that it was stopped at, and that is at number 31. We were talking about Matthew Stafford. If you heard what I said, John was about to come in and say what he was going to say, and I'm going to let him continue. So like I said at the end, Matthew Stafford, wasn't taking nothing away from him, but everything I sit there and said, moving on to John about Stafford. Um, so first off, I think 31's a good place for him. Um, I've always liked him as a quarterback, but but I'll tell you a lot of things about him, and this is who I would uh, compare him to, his kind of career. He's Tony Romo with Dante Culpepper's arm. And and here's, here's why I say that. Matthew Stafford is, he's, an upper echelon quarterback to me, but he doesn't win those games that upper echelon quarterbacks win. And it hurts me to say that about my boy Tony, but it's the truth. I mean, how many times have you seen Matthew Stafford beat Aaron Rodgers? How many times have you seen him beat a Tom Brady or a Ben Roethlisberger? It doesn't happen very often. And 
I don't feel as though it's due to his play, but I will say this about him. If you start to look at that organization, it, it mirrors a lot of the issues that the Dallas Cowboys have had. You can't name a running back. I think Detroit is dead last in rushing in the last five years. They haven't had a 100-yard rusher since, like, uh, I think 2013 or 2012, something like that. In the same time, uh, the Texans' uh, Alfred Blue has rushed for 100 yards more times than anybody they've had. Right. So, yeah, I mean, he just has never had the full supporting cast around him. And uh, 2014 probably was his best chance. You know, he had a good running game. He had a good defense. They, they were a complete team that year, but that was really their first playoff go-around, and I think inexperience hurt them. The the non-call, they didn't – you know, after the non-call in that game, uh, the pass interference where Anthony Hitchens and, and uh, Brandon Pettigrew kind of got tangled up. Mm-hmm. After that non-call, they, they, they have a 10-yard punt. And then yeah. they give up a touchdown and they're trailing. And then Stafford has a fumble, which ends up recovered by Detroit, and then a second fumble. So mm-hmm. eight minutes left in that game after the non-call, and they had a lead, and they just couldn't win the game. Um, but I, I really do. I think his career mirrors Tony Romo's in a lot of ways. Like I said, you don't see him beat the, the big time. The you know Peyton Manning's gone now. But mm-hmm. I, I think Stafford's only beaten Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay once. I can't remember him beating him really any other time right off the bat. Mm-hmm. He has a lot of game-winning drives. He has a lot of come-from-behind victories. Um, but they're against the Bears or they're against the Vikings. They're against you know some of these other teams. He's not going out and beating the, the NFL royalty. He's not beating the Seattle. You know They played Seattle in the playoffs a couple of years ago and couldn't get 20 points on the board. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and this wasn't. The Legion of Boom. This was, you know, what Seattle has kind of come to, net, you know, now. So he's a great quarterback. I feel like he has all the stats of a great quarterback, but because of what's around him, you know, if you look at his head coaching, man, he, he hasn't had that head coach where you're like, I want that coach on my team. Right. You know, that's true. I, I, I mean, it's Jim Caldwell. I like Jim Caldwell now. I do. Uh, I, here's the thing with Jim Caldwell. He's a great regular season. Well, I won't say great. He was a very good regular season coach. Um, he was lucky enough to have Peyton Manning and Matthew Stafford. But when you got in a big game and saw the way that he lost that Super Bowl to New Orleans, man, it just seemed like he doesn't bring anything to the table that, that could change a big game like that. Yeah. You know, I always say, like, uh, Mike McCarthy is a, is a coach that will take over the play calling, you know, whenever Green Bay has something going wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Tomlin's not afraid to go for two. He's not afraid to go for it on fourth down. You shake the game up to do something in order to win the game. Mm-hmm. So Jim Caldwell has never been that guy. Um, you know, Jim Schwartz was just kind of Jim Schwartz. He's a fantastic defense coordinator. He's right. one of the best Absolutely. Absolutely. He's never been a head man. So mm-hmm. just well, from, from ownership to the head coach to you know, what's around him. Like, like you mentioned him having Calvin Johnson. Tony had Dez and T.O. Right. So, and don't get me wrong, they've had other guys too. Uh, Golden Tate is, is a great receiver. He no, I wasn't like taking, taking nothing from that Trump voter. I'm just saying. Golden <laughs> <laughs> Tate is athletic. He's, he's, he's fabulous. I, I think he was great in Notre Dame. I just, I just called him Trump voter because that's what he was. MAGA hat. But um, uh, but the thing is, the thing is about you know Matthew Stafford is with the with the uh, when he had the 
committee of wide receivers with Bowden, Tate that year and everything like that. Now he's got, instead of Bowden, he's got Marvin Lewis, I mean, a Marvin Jones uh, Jr., um, you know he 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 can he can you know dish the ball around and that's good but I'm just saying can he you know saying can he can he really just put the team on his back and just and do what you know what 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 we like you said the bigger upper quarterbacks can do knowing that he don't have the type of coaches now we're gonna see what you know Matt Patricia is about with and I think Jim Bob Cooter is still there. Um, so you have you have all that there, and I think it may be comfortable for him, you know, to keep Jim Bob there. So I mean, you know, the defense, you know, the defense is making plays. Like I said, we were talking about Darius Slay, you know, saying like, you know, they got some other areas they can work on, but I just, you know, for the money they gave Stafford, the team is going to be hurting, is what I'm saying. And look at the Baltimore Ravens and Joe Flacco. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But but that's where, like I said, if you really look at the teams that Dallas had. We had a DeMarcus Ware. We had a Terrence Newman. We had some high draft choices or really good defensive players, period. But as a whole, that unit never was what it should have been. And that's what it feels like for Detroit. You know, they had Indomitian Sue. They have Darius Slay. They've just never put together that team to where you could say, like, okay, they should win a playoff game. Yeah. Um, other than 2014, which I, I think you could have said that then, but even still, you're on the road playing a team that, um, that season, Dallas lost the tiebreaker. Dallas could have been the number one seed because they beat Seattle, who had the same record. Yeah, that's true. But because it was a three-way tie. So, I mean, you're saying that Detroit gets a team that, that could have been a number one if not for a, a three-way tie. Mm-hmm. There's never been that situation for Matthew Stafford where it's, okay, he should win this big game or he true. should win this playoff game. I get what you're saying. I hope he does. I get what you're saying. Like you said, he, he's got Matt, Matt Patricia um, – and I don't know how that goes. Bill Belichick guys tend to not win big games once they leave him. Um, but I hope they do because I don't want to see his career wasted. Right. You know, and that's how it feels for Romo. But, and and plus, he took the time. Like, and plus, he took the time to cut the beard off. I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wasn't a good look for him. But, I mean, ultimately, his career is going to boil down to what you said. The man has never won a playoff game. And right. I, he's getting close to 10 years in. And he just doesn't have that success. So either he's going to wait out Aaron Rodgers and, and be the best quarterback in that division, or he's going to have to do something fast um, in order to start building his legacy as something more than a stats guy. And I, and I believe you on that. And I believe you on that. And on that note, we have, you know, we have covered, you know, a hundred to thirty-one, and we cannot wait until the list dwindles down from thirty-one all the way to one. Um, so I mean thirty to one. Um, so hopefully thirty is a is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan. I had to say that. Like I said, I ain't trying to be biased or nothing like that. But I'm just hoping somebody gets it. Somebody down in the NFC South wearing um, pewter colors gets a name there because we we need mentions. We need we need we need a uh, uh, like Stephen they say with uh, with the Knicks. We need something. <laughs> but um, no. I'm- that's, that's being a sports fan. You want right. to see your guys. Work. Exactly. I mean, like, it, it's big. I mean, I look for those guys. I look to see where they're at. Right. Um, so, hey, so Mike Evans. Like, <laughs> you got to have Mike Evans and Gerald McCoy on there at some point. Some I know point. Evans had a damn year last year. Right, but, but Gerald McCoy, uh, um, uh, Levante David had a bad year, too. I want to say injuries, a mug, injuries with him and Quan Alexander. But Levante David, actually, I would – Somehow, somehow find him on the list, maybe a little later, but he didn't make it. 
So if he if he's in the top twenty, I will take it. But I thought he played good enough while Quan was hurt, and he was hurt a little bit too as well. And I thought he could have made it in the nineties or something, but he didn't. But Gerald McCoy, I got hope for him. And um, you know, I know James ain't gonna make it in these numbers, so hopefully Gerald makes it, and hopefully maybe uh, you know. Uh, we had, we did have now. I mean, that 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 is something to say is that we did have uh, a little bit something better from Brent Grimes. Not enough to make the list, but I was happy that he played the way he played after it was some type of tension saying that he didn't want to play there, and now he got him back. So we'll see what happens, and we'll see what the next NFL topic that we can find so we can be back. Um, John, hopefully you can come back and uh, have another conversation with me because this has been great. Always, thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So this has been another episode of Saw Straight Talk Show, and we will be back tonight at 8 o'clock. The finals are back. Can Cleveland at their home floor on the queue, you know, saying, can it happen? Can it happen? Um, We'll see what happens. So y'all take it easy.